I'm just going to ask um, Grant if he'd just share a uh, brief opening prayer, and then we're just going to dive into hearing stories. Um, so, Grant, would you would you open us up? Hallelujah, Father, we we love you, Father. Thank you, thank you for your faithfulness to us for ten days and return everything you've done. This move of repentance that you're bringing your body into. Lord, um, just help us to just surface for us the highlights um, of this 10 days, uh, personally and even corporately. And uh, we invite you into this conversation, this time together with the family of, of, uh, of uh, Yeshua, Lord. Um, Lord, we are one. We will be together forever. And uh, Lord, that sometimes that's difficult to grasp, but Lord, just, just continue to solidify us as family and let your love flow through us and the liberty we have uh, between Jew and Gentile and all races in your family, that we would truly become priests from every tribe and tongue and nation, readied and made, uh, made right for your coming. And uh, we just uh, thank you. We lift you up and um, we ask you to bless this time and, um, and to be glorified through it. In Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I'm just going to ask everybody if you can, um, uh, if you're not sharing, if you can please mute um, your side. That'll make our sound quality better for everybody. And, I'm, and if you'd like to share, um, uh, just go ahead and um, put a, a chat to me. Just say where you're from. I already have, of course, some people that I'm planning to call on, but um, just go ahead. That'll just make it easier for me to form a, a mental list of who's going to share. Um, I'm going to just start with my friend David Godori from Rhode Island, and uh, we'll just have him open us up. And then we'll we'll just keep rolling. So David, go ahead. Go ahead and unmute and and share. I was trying to unmute. There we go. You can hear me. Okay. So uh, I just want to give praise to God for how He works in our extremity. Uh, when we had our July leaders collaboration. I was laying in bed, still sick. I was in bed for 14 straight days. I think I had COVID, but they say it was negative. But I, the doctor says you were really sick. <laughs> but up until that point, uh, we here in Rhode Island do what's called 40 days of love. But we take the first 10 days to focus on our love for God before we get to the love your neighbor part. So we think of the our first 10 days is really the 10 days that you guys are here to praise God about today. So because of the COVID situation, we had planned to just this year, let's just do 10 nightly Zoom prayer meetings around the state, our little state of about a million people. And uh, that was what we were going to do. But during that call, I'm laying in bed sick, but I'm listening to some of the things that were shared. And the gal from Boston uh, just dropped some seeds in my mind about, hey, we could meet outdoors. We don't have to have church meetings. And, and uh, oh, by the way, somebody else mentioned, let's do a prayer walk. And so as I lay there in bed, my mind started going for about four hours straight till about three in the morning. 
And we started thinking about well, what if we did a whole bunch of open air prayer gatherings, solemn prayer assemblies throughout our state. And we could do one a night for the 10 nights. And, uh, and then I began to think, well, what if we link those all together in a prayer walk? And I've been reading Mark Batterson's book called The Circle Maker. And, you know, what would it look like to encircle the whole state of Rhode Island? Go through all five of our counties, just five. <laughs> and, uh, and so as I thought about this, the bottom line is we ended up uh, within two or three weeks putting this plan together of doing these nine solemn assemblies, north to south, all the way around the state, different communities, and connecting them together with nine daily prayer walks of about 14 miles each <laughs> so and god bless it uh we were able to do this and so uh, last sunday we finished up our ninth uh, solemn prayer assembly and then we did the monday night on on yom kippur we did a statewide zoom prayer gathering but we had nine open air meetings so we had 38 people participate in one of these prayer walks Two people did the whole nine days, 130 miles around our state through all five counties. And then we had about 56 pastors participate in one of those uh, solemn prayer assemblies to lead us in prayer. And there were about 466 intercessors who showed up at all totaled at all those different meetings, anywhere from 35 to 40 open air meetings to sometimes 75. Uh, at these meetings. And so uh, we had a, a basic format plan for each meeting, which we followed, but individual pastors would step up to pray twice or sometimes three times uh, during the course of uh, following through that format, which began with praise of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Then we confessed our sins in multiple different ways corporately. And then we pled for the Holy Spirit to do a new work among us, relating that to five specific scriptures that talk about what the Holy Spirit will do. And in the end, just praying for an, an, a, a revival in our state. And many of you may not realize that as for many revivals we've had in our country, all of them pretty much skipped over Rhode Island. And to our knowledge, there's never been a, a single complete so-called revival that's that stirred the whole church and also caused the community to start seeking after God that would sweep our whole state. It never happened before. And so that's what we've been praying for. And uh, we had a, a wonderful experience uh, praying together, these pastors, uh, each of them in their own unique way, but within that, that topic suggested to them, prayed these marvelous prayers led by the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm just looking at one sample now. So a fellow sent me his notes about the ways that he prayed for the blessing of God on our churches. And he just went through, they're all scripturally rooted that God would bless us for the good things that could happen. But I'll mention just a couple of stories just to wrap this up. Uh, one of the days as we we're prayer walking, you know, it's 14 miles, it's a long ways. And uh, during the afternoon, we took a little break in front of this house, a big house set way back from the street, but on the side of the road was a big stump of a tree. It was huge. And so two or three of us sat simultaneously on this trunk as we rested, some laying on the grass. And as we looked down at the, this tree stump, we noticed how prominent the rings were. And so we were sitting there, we just started counting the rings. And we approximated that that tree, when it was cut down, was 250 years old or so. And I thought to myself, my oh my, this tree was just a little sapling. 
the Sunday that Jonathan Edwards preached his great sermon on sinners in the hands of an angry God and revival sprung up all across New England. And, uh, and I said, God, you know, the tree's been cut down, but Lord, you can raise it up. You can do it again and, and revive your work. So that, that was just kind of a cool reflection. Like we're not that far away from when this all happened. And then uh, along the way, uh, it, uh, two other brief things. <clears throat> One time we're walking along the path and we saw this couple as we're approaching, the, they're pushing a stroller. So they're walking what, much slower than we are. As we approach them, we said, you know, God bless you. We've been praying throughout the whole state. Can we pray for you in some way? And the woman just exclaimed, she said, I can't believe this. We were just talking about the Bible <laughs> and you walked up to us and uh, we had prayer for this couple. Talk about the timing of God. And then the other thing that personally encouraged me is that one of the pastors in the area, when he heard about what we were going to be doing, bringing all these pastors and, and, and churches together to pray, enthused about what a great idea this was, how excited he was about being involved. And then uh, eventually we had to like get them organized in each community, sending out polls to fill in when can we meet together online and talk about it. And uh, right after that, I get this email out of the blue from him. And he said, well, you know, I've noticed you're using women pastors leading in prayer. And that really doesn't fit with my theology. I can't really in good conscience be involved in this. And, and so I wrote him back. And I said, dear brother, you know, if that's your final conclusion, I'll accept that decision. But, you know, maybe you should think about this. I gave him four or five things to think about. I never got an answer until about two days before the gathering, the solemn prayer assembly was going to happen. He wrote me without explanation. He says, hey, I'm looking forward to the prayer assembly. I'll be involved. Put me down to pray and never wait. It's like he was all on board. So he, he, showed, he showed up. He participated. He wrote back afterwards, said what a blessing it was. And the irony was that in the planning of things, his time to pray in this 60 minute prayer time that we had in the open air was right after this Pentecostal woman led us in a marvelous prayer. So, you know, God has a sense of humor, I guess, but uh, we just believe that, that for all these people that continue to pray during our 40 days of love, we got about a month more of doing this, that God's going to honor those prayers. But thank you, Jonathan, for getting us uh, stopping everything and praying like we should for our own lives to be what they're supposed to be. And, and it was a great experience for us. Dave, thanks so much. Just uh, we just value your leadership there in Rhode Island and uh, great testimonies um, and just encouraged by what God is doing there. Um, smallest state, but not the least. So um, we're going to go to Nevada and have Randy Greer share a little bit with us, Randy. And just to reiterate, if you'd like to share, if you can chat at me uh, in the um, chat start lining people up after randy i see we've got a number of folks from india on the call today and we'll be hearing um from them uh as we'll just have a group and a, a number of you can share at that time so let's have randy share from nevada usa thanks a lot frizz thanks dave great testimony from rhode island in nevada uh, I actually pastor right in the heart of Las Vegas, six blocks from the Strip. And uh, it was really just the Saturday before um, 10 days. Uh, I don't know. It was just, I, I think I had like a week. I, somebody sent me a random email about it and I looked into it and I filled the stuff out. And Jonathan got excited because we have a... Uh, like a hundred, over a hundred churches in unity prayer in Las Vegas. And um, 
so yeah, I jumped in there and actually became uh, the 10-day coordinator. So didn't have a lot of time to plan things. However, I had had a, uh, every third Thursday, I'm trying to get pastors together for prayer here in Las Vegas. And, you know, it's been, oh man, talk about pulling teeth and talk about herding cats. You know, that's a tough assignment. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the most we'd ever had, and I've been doing that for about five or six years now, most we'd ever had come out was about 30. And uh, right before the 10 days, God just is doing something. We had a hundred pastors show up for prayer and I was able to tell them all about 10 days and the return and got a little bit of traction off of that. Uh, as far as 10 days, I just wasn't sure exactly what to do. So it was kind of all on me. So I just thought, well, you know what, let's just, I know I can do this. I'll, I'll call for prayer at our church for uh, six hours a day. So from 10 to four every day, um, we, we had a prayer meeting, which we averaged for those hours, about 15 people. We sometimes got up to 25 or so. And then we had over a hundred show up for the simulcast on Saturday. And I had several pastors tell me that they went ahead and simulcasted from their, um, their own churches. So, you know, we got a little momentum uh, heading for next year. Going to try to get uh, the goal of 24-7 covered during the 10 days. A uh, couple testimonies real quick. Uh, one, one great thing that has been happening in, um, I think, can, can you stop that <laughs> real quick? Um, one, one great thing was that, um, you know, our, as the pastors and the churches have gathered here in Las Vegas, uh, our city government has come alongside of us, which is a great story. The mayor is 100% behind us. The uh, police department has come alongside of us, and we're actually pastoring the community along with them, teaching them how to not just show up when things are awful. And then the, now the school district is coming on board. And so we've got some real neat things that we have to get organized on to follow through on those great opportunities. Uh, during the, the prayer time, we had <clears throat> one thing that was really awesome. There's a couple of young ladies that uh, the Lord just kind of, pointed out they were there the whole time praying and the lord had his hand on them and one of them was a former um thousand dollar a night escort back in her day before she met the lord and so um uh, she she had gone to uh, well a couple of the pastors that had come out were um uh, somebody that she had known before. And so this is like last Friday, she's getting prophesied over that she's going to be, the Lord's going to use her, both of these young ladies in like raise them up women's conventions. 
And then just she, she, her eyes got big. And then the night before, there had been a pastor that had asked her if she would come and speak at his women's convention. So it was just like neat stuff like that. We've had prophecies that uh, the stratospheric tower is going to be a 24-hour prayer tower, that on the strip, uh, the entertainment is going to be Christ-exalting. So, you know, there's, you know, you guys pray with us and look for a real sovereign move of God coming out of Las Vegas, Nevada. What better place to uh, have revival? And we're going to see it become Grace City. So thanks a lot. Amen. Thanks a lot, Randy. Um, Sunil, I'm going to ask you if you can help me a little bit with this section. Uh, we want to just start hearing, I see a number of folks from India on with us. And first of all, we're just so honored um, to have you joining us. Um, I want to start, uh, Sunil, maybe you can help with this time, but we'd like to hear from anyone from India. And we can start with um, with Priscilla, I think. But uh, Sunil, why don't you uh, just maybe help direct this time a little bit, but let's start with you and then we'll hear from Priscilla. Sure. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, just 10, 10 uh, maybe two weeks before 10 days started, uh, I got connected with Jonathan asking him why we don't have anything in India because I didn't see anything on India map. And I'm in Chicago. I'm involved, I was involved with the Chicago group. So Jonathan personally contacted me and said, we would definitely would like to have it in India. So I contacted a few of my friends in Mumbai and Hyderabad area, and uh, there they took off, and uh, several groups started from that. And Priscilla, uh, who is the wife of uh, uh, one of the bishops in South India in Hyderabad area, uh, uh, Dr. Wright Reverend Ruben Mark, uh, his wife, uh, they both took initiative and uh, uh, encouraged a lot of people there. And uh, uh, it kind of uh, sprung from that with many rural areas also in different individual churches doing it individually and 10 pastors in Mumbai doing it together. So uh, Priscilla is going to share about uh, her experience there who was very much instrumental in taking this to India. Priscilla, why don't you go ahead and share? Okay, I really thank God for, it was a wonderful time, 10 days together, spent time at the feet of the Lord, along with uh, his children was wonderful. I thank Brother Jonathan for introducing this uh, to us, uh, and especially for having a Zoom meeting for all the leaders in India. And I also want to thank uh, Pastor Sunil Gaikwar, who actually gave us the vision and shared with us. And so we had a wonderful program in Karibnagar uh, Diocese where we are having around 350 churches. And so mostly the women from all over, all of different districts, we met together every day uh, on Zoom from 11 to 12. And uh, we prayed together and shared the word. And we followed that same scriptures and the uh, prayers uh, that you have told us to follow. And 
there was a mighty revival movement i can say because now all this uh, churches all these women who attended and the pastors who attended they said that they will go and do it in their church and then their groups and uh, they have already started and even as this tendis movement was going on we we could just see how the spirit of god was just moving and it was just spreading to all other parts and uh, uh, i really thank god for the fire of god that has fallen upon us through this uh, uh, 10 days and I, and uh, we can just feel it right now too and i also want to thank i was also involved in mumbai and right now in our midst we are having reverend avinash and steven flory uh, and some others who attended in mumbai in mumbai it was different it was the leaders who met together and it was really nice to see in spite of the spent time together like how each one had a burden for the ministry and i'm sure that this has made a impact in our lives and the churches in india and we are planning to have a follow up once a month in mumbai and also in karibnagar thank you and i'd like to keep in touch thank you abhinash why don't you go and share from mumbai uh, leaders there Avinash or Steve? Can you hear us, gentlemen? Just go ahead and unmute if you can, and share with us. Uh, we want to thank. Uh, Brother Sunil Gaikwad and uh, Jonathan Fritz, that God put this on your hearts and you extended it to Priscilla and to all of us in Bombay, and uh, it really blessed us this ten days uh, because prayer is on our heart and we know that great and mighty things happen when when we pray, and God is very faithful. uh this moment we we as we got these uh posts from you for the 10 days from brother sunil we passed it on to our church in kuwait and to south african church and to some other churches or other gatherings in kuwait so all of them really took it seriously and they were gathering uh throughout the day uh, at different hours that their congregations meeting at different hours and praying and they also feel that they sense a revival there they sense a uh, presence of god and something they are expecting they have an expectant heart looking forward that god is going to do something good uh, we too were very much refreshed uh, we we gather with uh, prayer groups with this 10 days and we were also occupied with other other uh, prayer prayer groups that we have our regular prayer groups the family group and then the other church groups etc many group so we pray during the day and so even i remember at one time i was uh, telling the lord as the lord all this uh, i'm going on joining these prayer groups and i'm not doing my own personal work so much of work is piling up and i have to catch up with this and i have to catch up with that and i have to write the emails to this call up and many times uh, before this 10 days started 
I used to call up people for some things that have to be all loose ends, you know, that we have just come from Kuwait. That also is a calling of the Lord. We did not plan it. And God asked us to come here. So we had come recently here. So we do not know God's purpose, why he called us here and what he wants us to do. But anyway, this uh, many things to catch up, loose ends to be tied, calling up people. And I was not getting response during this COVID time, you know, things to be done. People not picking up their phones in these organizations and company. I don't know whether they're at work or they're not at work. Or, so it was so confusing. But after I start, we started with this 10 days of prayer, without me calling anyone, everybody's calling me up and responding to the calls that I had made earlier. So I was pretty surprised. <laughs> they say, oh, we remembered you. This thing had to be completed and it is pending. It is in line here. So this, we are trying to push these papers forward. We are trying to do that. And I was pretty shocked. Like these guys who are lazy, not picking up their phone, now suddenly calling me and telling me this thing is pending. This has to be completed. So I can see God's hand moving, you know, without, uh, without uh, realizing it's happening. God, as we do God's business, he takes care of our business, you know. <laughs> I've noticed that. And it has always been so. Yeah, so this 10 days is going to do great things. I can see the atmosphere around me, even in my building area. I belong to different groups here, the owners group for this, in the land, landlords for this. So, you know, in the groups also, I've been sharing with them and not all of them, they are not believers, they are unbelievers. But I noticed the conversation in the group has completely changed. Uh, how they talk uh, on the group and how they think, you know, their very thoughts. I see them like a big change. So I believe that we don't see it, but when we pray, God comes and he does a mighty work that we cannot even see, but it happens. It happens. I'm seeing, I'm seeing great things like people whom I don't expect also are calling me up and sending message to me and telling me, thank you for this, that you pray for that. I mean, I don't even expect it from them. But it is uh, many strange things, many strange things are happening to us, and we can see God's hand in all this, you know. <laughs> so, I, if Steve wants to say something. So, that is our thing from here. I believe God is doing great things. And we have been praying for all the nations, it's not just Bombay, we are praying for. Uh, U.S. and we want to see great and mighty things happening there. We want to see things on our borders changing, things in the Middle East changing, many things, you know. Yeah. So we are praying and we are believing God and we are looking to see the great thing that he's going to show us. Amen. Amen. What an amazing uh, story. I, I definitely uh, see that during 10 days. There's just an acceleration of um, the activity of God, many, like you said, many strange things, many unexpected things. And, um, you know, it's funny how God, uh, when we pray, you know, someone has said, uh, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. And it, it uh, uh, should come as no surprise, but it always is surprising that, uh, he's, he's good at this. So, um, Sunil, any others from India that we should share before we switch to to a, a new place? I I think they're not responding, but on their behalf, I would like to say one thing that uh, we had uh, five different denominational leaders that came together for uh, these prayers in Mumbai, and uh, every one of them on the last day uh, expressed that uh, this repentance had drawn them closer to Christ. 
and finding his purpose in their lives. And, uh, one of the things that uh, was also they repented of was uh, not working in unity. So this prayer has brought a great unity among the leaders of these denominations. Wow, wow. Well, Father, um, we praise you for that report. And Lord, we just release a greater measure of grace for unity upon the church in Mumbai, upon your entire body in India. Lord, we just say, let them be one as you are one. We just declare, Jesus, that you are going to receive the answer to your prayer. And we just release brotherly love and affection in even greater measure that all of India would know who Jesus is um, as they see a united church, a united body of Christ in that nation. We just pray for that right now, and we bless our Indian brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Neil, I, I'd like to, um, this is kind of a footnote, but I'd love to follow up with you one-on-one uh, -on -one after this. And uh, I'm really encouraged by these testimonies. Okay, let's, uh, Sunil's actually in Chicago, so fittingly, we're going to pivot to Chicago. We're going to have Rich McLaughlin share um, and any other members of the team. Rich, once again, we're just going to try and take somewhere between two and four minutes for your testimony so we can squeeze in as many as we can. And chat at me if you'd like to share. We're going to have Rich and then Stacy after Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Okay. Well, in step with what has just been shared from India, we've seen God's hand and great and mighty things that in Chicago, I started off thinking about the part from John's gospel about Jesus performed many other signs in the present disciples, which are not recorded in this book. I feel like God was doing something so deep and wide across 10 days that how we could even get a snapshot of it is, uh, is, almost impossible for us. So I'm just going to give you the little bit in these two to four minutes of what I saw. There was in August, four of us were in a Zoom call with Jonathan. We just said, let's do this. It's almost like if there's going to be 120 cities worldwide, Lord, do not pass us by here in Chicago. Well, quickly, we were able to connect with a friend who's got a prayer website. That gave us 24-7 opportunity, even in a state that's being very careful governmentally related to COVID. Then a group said, well, we'll do a kickoff on Friday night, the 18th, live. We said, okay, great. We've got a live piece before the 24-7 uh, prayer online. Then uh, through Jonathan, we hear about a sister who says, We'd like to, I'd like to be involved in Chicago. God's put a burden on my heart to give prayer coverage from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. for all 10 days. So immediately we had, we had half of the hours covered. She goes, I'll give up to anyone who else who doesn't, uh, who's already going to take some of those hours, but I have a burden. I need to be in prayer across that time. So we had half of it quickly. Then I can say on the first day, on the 19th, God gave me a great encouragement while I was in the prayer room. One of the pastors I've known from Chicagoland United in prayer, he said, I'm joining you, Rich, part because we, there's a sister here I want you to meet. Well, we went through the prayer guide for 10 days. And you know, at the end of the prayer guide each day, there were some reflective questions. When we opened up the reflective questions, this one sister said, told, told her story. She said, I was really burdened about the violence in happening in the cities. 
And then it's almost like God's still small voice was saying, but what about your city, Chicago? It's got such a reputation. And then she goes, but what, what am I supposed to do? Like our church isn't meeting. I'm married. I've got children. I'm doing retail business is my job. And she, he's like, the thing that she thought she should do was go to one of the train stops on north side of Chicago, hold up a signboard and say, listen and pray. And she said, people are coming up to me regularly. I go on Sunday because our church is closed from 1030 to 1230. And I listen and pray. And then I asked the pastor who was introducing me to her, I said, Hi, tell me your part of the story. He goes, I just went for groceries on Sunday and I met her. And I said, who are you connected with? She goes, I'm just trying to be obedient to the Lord. So she's going out being obedient to the Lord, but meeting a leader of Chicago and United in prayer. And I said, tell me your story related to a specific date. Chicagoland is praying for the 77 neighborhoods. We prayed for that neighborhood, Rogers Park, on August 14th. And she started crying. She said, I had the burden to obey God and listen and pray on August 10th. My first Sunday of going to pray at the train stop was August 14th. So it was such an auspicious way to start off the, our prayer room on that first day by getting a testimony. And then from there, uh, things that happened, we connected with Sunil, had no idea that it would multiply out to cities in India. And then we connected with Return, did the simulcast. I'm still getting emails from people and I have appointments across this next week to gather stories just like you're gathering here. So I sense that God has done something in Chicago. Those are some early snapshots. I'm frankly on the edge of my seat where God's going to carry this forward because I still sense we're on the early edge of what God wants to do in uniting Chicago. It's amazing. And isn't it amazing how we see uh, simple acts of obedience, um, you know, just cascade and have effects beyond what we really would have thought or imagined. I think I read that in the Bible in there. You'll do more than we could ask, think, or even imagine. So that's an amazing testimony. Um, let's have Stacy share. Stacy, am I remembering right that you're in, uh, where are you? Are you in North Dakota? I'm getting... Saratoga Springs, New York. Saratoga Springs. Okay, I I got you confused with another sister, but uh, I remember now we've been texting. So go ahead. Um, Father God, I just thank you. I want to give you all the glory for everything that you did among the saints in this time and the things we've seen and the not seen. So I just pray that you would guide me in this testimony, that it would be a blessing to the body of Christ, and that you would continue to magnify and glorify it. Um, I came in, I've been um, observing the feast days with the Lord since 2014, kind of just me and him. And so when I saw this thing for 10 days, I didn't know how to respond. Should I, I didn't even think I could do a 10 day fast. So uh, the Lord said, go ahead and do it. And then um, while you're at it, register your city. And I said, well, I don't really know. Okay. All right. So uh, I started the process and um, as soon as um, not really any support but the lord gave me an instruction he said you keep your eyes on me don't turn to the right or the left um and just um don't worry about what you people who are doing don't respond and so he was so faithful to that the whole 10 days he said keep your eyes on me and i'll show you many wonders and so when the trumpets went out um and we blew the trump when they blew the trumpets at the um yon um, the Holy Spirit drew me to uh, Psalms 122, and he said, I want you to look for Jehovah Shalom in these 10 days, and wherever I take you, um, look for Jehovah Shalom. 
And so uh, the Lord was so faithful during the ten, the 10 days. Um, the first thing that he did was um, he uh, started to show me scriptures. And for the first time in my um, walk with the Lord, I really saw within the prayer rooms, I saw some scriptures playing out in truth. Um, the one uh, Colossians 2, that the hearts might be comforted, being knitted together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father in Christ. You truly saw that scripture playing out in the prayer rooms as the saints were esteeming each other above um, themselves. There was deliverance works going on. There was prayer going on. There was the carrying of each other's burden in the prayer groups. There was a rejoicing with each other. There was God magnifying himself in each country, like each country, wherever he went, um, you saw the hand of the Lord just moving in and turning our hearts to, to be with all of our brothers and sisters. And, you know, you saw God's mighty power in Indonesia as they praised and worshiped and, and then Uganda. And then he just kept connecting people. Like um, he connected me with uh, Jonathan, connected me with Melanie, who opened the door to be able to pray with California. And when we went into California, you would hear kids crying out to the Lord, which then would open up the next prayer. And so as these things continue to, to move the Lord um, here um, in Saratoga, I just kept showing up to wherever we had had these events. We had um, um, prayer walks and um, the Lord, I wasn't, I would just be there and it would be me and the Lord. And he said, I'm still working. I just want you to be obedient and know that I'm touching the hearts of the people. And as we continue to press in in prayer and the prayer groups and the father really revealing what was on his heart um, and so forth about abortion, there are so many. And so um, the last the um, Sunday morning, right before um, the Yom Kippur, he, kept, he led me into the prayer watch in Australia with um, Ampla, I hope if I'm pronouncing your name right. And um, the Lord just told me to be quiet and he had a blessing for New York. And I was like, okay. So they were in Papua New Guinea and Papua New Guinea's testimony was awesome. And the um, Papua New Guinea got on um, and the pastor there, God praised the Lord. He gave a blessing over the state of New York. And I was like amazed. That was the, the state that he, he, he zoned in on. And then, of course, the United States, but it was specifically for New York. And I felt like that was such an encouragement um, for the state of New York that God was confirming it from Papua New Guinea um, in uh, this remote village. And so then I went to my church that day and um, I hadn't gotten a lot of response. And someone um, came up to me and said, um, we did, I did the 10 days quietly with the Lord. And the Lord put such conviction on my heart for abortion and caused me to get out of my own self-righteousness and my own thing that I'm going down now to the 40 days um, for, of life to um, pray for the uh, Planned Parenthood. And so she said, I just want to be encouraged. So here, I didn't know any of these people were doing um, the 10 days. And then there was a couple other people that revealed that did the 10 days and felt compelled and moved by on what God had done in their life to actually act, to go out and do something for, um, for the community and to respond to the cry of the Lord. So that was really encouraging. And then one day uh, we had a um, praise and worship night and um, people had committed and then they, they didn't commit. And I was really discouraged during the 10 days. And the Lord said, go anyway. Even if you just show up with a tambourine and you walk around the building, um, just show up. 
And so when I got there, I was walking around the building praising the Lord. And then a couple of people showed up and said, hey, we're supposed to praise and worship with you. Never met them, never. Um, and then someone came out of the building and said, well, I got a guitar and I got a drum. So the next thing you know, there was four of us on the steps um, praising the Lord. And uh, then a couple of the um, homeless people came and started praising the Lord. And so Lord, I said, I don't know what you're doing, but thank you so much for your faithfulness to send somebody to pray a guitar and because I couldn't. And so I was just so encouraged that um, the Lord heard our cries for Saratoga and that even though the invitation went out, didn't mean that he wasn't responding and that he was gonna move something in the city. So I just wanna thank the Lord for um, not just his faithfulness to keep me in the fast, but his faithfulness to draw me to so many saints. There was so many saints, so much love, so much scripture playing out in the prayer rooms, um, so much um, just blessing each other and encouraging each other. Um, I felt so encouraged and um, just with all my brothers throughout all the nations, so encouraged that God was really hearing our cry to bring us under one head of Christ Jesus, one unity in the spirit. And I'm just really encouraged that that's his heart to continue to carry that through and to pray and to carry the burdens of the churches from all the nations, not just ours. So thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Joel, for the encouragement of putting the stuff on there. Thank you for every single person who contributed to just encourage and to um, be a, um, show the love of Christ um, through the saints. I just want to thank you, each and every one of you, in the, in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Stacey. We've got a couple people with uh, time-sensitive issues. So um, let's have David Brown share from San Antonio, and then I'm going to have Matt Lilly share after that. Matt, I know you're in the car, so just wanted to give you a heads up. So David, go ahead and share. I know you got to run soon. Let's see. Let's just see if I can find David. He might be having a hard time unmuting. Let's see. David, can you unmute? Okay. I'm going to work on getting David. Oh, there we go. Howdy. 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 Can you, can you hear me? We can hear you. Yep. Neat stuff. Um, kind of want to give a little bit of backstory that makes uh, what happened this year so encouraging. This has been our best year of 10 days for uh, a number of reasons, and I'll share kind of the highlights from a uh, more corporate standpoint. But um, was it 2015 that we had the first summit in Denver, Jonathan? Or was that 16? Uh, 20, 2016, yeah. Okay. Um, I remember um, just being gripped by the bond of unity and the bond of love that we had up there. I think Father Phil had been uh, doing 10 days in the city um, for a little bit by that point and had already had established a uh, 10 days at Pentecost and the 10 days in the fall uh, when we do our 10 days. And so the summit was uh, in conjunction with the 10 days that had already been established in, Gen in Denver at Pentecost. And so we had the summit, but then we would go experience the Denver 10 days. And uh, I remember just being like a holiness guy, just wrestling with the concepts of unity from before, um, before I got involved with the 10 days, because in my mind, like unity equals compromise. 
And uh, I've really seen the Lord answer um, his own reply to me when I'm asking him, how much do I compromise to unify? And he said, well, I prayed John 17. I can answer my own prayer without compromising my standards. And so I had no clue what that was going to look like, but I believed him and uh, began to press into some of these things. And I've really seen him use prayer as the arena created to unify his church um, that uh, not only keeps it holy and righteous, but builds a continual appetite and practical lifestyle of holiness and righteousness. It's just been such a beautiful thing. Um, but I remember that first Denver summit coming back and just being so wounded, not being able to put into words what I experienced, just the absolute love um, the friendship, the cutting up, the serious times in prayer uh, that we all begin to uh, share at the summit. I feel like you guys had established relationships, and I just got pulled into that. And uh, I'm an introvert, so it's easy for me to just stay on the outside, but I feel like I got pulled into y'all's uh, hurricane of love. And uh, it was just amazing. And then to go from church to church at Denver and seeing different churches participate and and each other's evenings and going to like the big mega church and then seeing all the Anglican people show up in their, uh, uh, their uh, pastoral callers and stuff. I'm like, man, this is amazing. And uh, I remember one of my favorite church services still was just Father Phil's place on Pentecost Sunday when Jason Hubbard was preaching and just lit me up, man. And I came back to uh, San Antonio and our steering committee was much bigger. Um, that first year we had people from all over the city that wanted uh, their hands in this because uh, Alan Parker, who's uh, the lawyer who's fighting Roe v. Wade at the Supreme court. Um, he's based out of San Antonio. And so he's the one that began to pull this unity of the church together. And so it's because of him, we had a lot of people that wanted to plan things in the beginning. Um, and I remember coming back from that summit, not knowing how to, just speak about what I experienced. The only way I knew to, the only thing that just came when they asked me to debrief on the summit was just cry. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to do. I'm trying to do the best I can through the tears to experience or convey what I experienced in Denver. And uh, I think I aggravated more of the practical thinkers, which I'm a practical thinker too, but it's like, you got to do both. And uh, I'm just like weeping and trying to like, I don't care what the plans are. Like we got to get what Denver's got and we got to get what these guys from new England have in our city. And the first 10 days, um, I think we only had four churches that signed up, but I lead the house of prayer. So we hosted like five or six of the other nights at the house of prayer. Cause we had prayer room hours during those times anyway. So it's like, Hey, y'all come to the prayer room on the nights we couldn't book. And uh, there's a lot of excitement and planning it and having a hand in doing this thing, but not many jumped on board of like, yeah, we'll host or lead it at our church that night. And um, I have a lot of friends that I still run with that would look at that first year we did 10 days and see the lack of participation. The attendance was horrible uh, by man standards. Um, that would have just been like, okay, well, people really aren't excited about this. Let's look, look for the next agenda. And um, I feel like sometimes just because we hop to and fro to all these different agendas, it's like you don't ever see a real growth in prayer. You just see like agendas and trying to hope that there's a rising star somewhere and jump on this rising star. And so I know a lot of guys that wouldn't have continued with the 10 days. 
Um, but Alan did the second year, and then um, he's been behind us carrying it the last three years. And um, every year, there just seemed to be a growth and a deepening of the love and the bonds, um, but never really got to experience what I experienced at Denver until this year. And I got to say, I feel like we surpassed what brought me to tears in Denver um, five years ago um, in San Antonio for the first time. And the previous 10 years, we'd had a nucleus of people that would go from place to place. Um, this year, uh, and they were all from the House of Prayer in previous places. And we had a good group from the House of Prayer that would go from place to place. But this was the first time the House of Prayer folks were outnumbered by churches in the city because um, our push was not just on purpose when we're communicating with pastors and congregations like this isn't a string of 10 disconnected prayer meetings. This is a citywide movement of unified consecration. Join us and host a meeting. And uh, people really began to buy into that. We fasted together, did a lot of deep repentance, a lot of uh, just all a lot of really good biblical things. But uh, it was the first year that we really just had a huge church participation. And uh, I really feel like the five years has just brought us to a whole new level of a bond of love and unity um, that I had been longing for for our city. And uh, I don't really know how to explain it other than it was just, it was out of this world. Um, and uh, just almost brings me to tears now thinking about it. And I think uh, our next step might be to do the Denver model where we have one at Pentecost and have one in the fall. Because once you start falling in love with each other from seeing each other and a regular rhythm, um, it's just like, man, a year's too long. <laughs> Let's see each other at Pentecost. And uh, one thing too, like this was the most diverse year we have ever had. And I remember in the first meetings, you know, the first meetings were really white. And uh, the concern was that, well, we need more African-American churches. We need more Hispanic churches, especially being in San Antonio. And, you know, then what about the Asian churches, China and the Indian churches, and we've got an Arab Baptist church in town, and how do we get all these guys to to come? And what I began to see this year is the diversity is really the fruit of legislation. It never came by – or not legislation. It's the fruit of uh, just friendship and developing relationship, and um, it never, never once came by committee, but it comes by just being faithful and building relationship with people, and – Doing that for five years has produced a, a diversity that uh, became just such a beautiful platform for the unity that we're talking about. And uh, the Lord, during those 10 days, began exposing um, just the lying value that we even have in the church that came from a couple decades ago. And you hear it repeated a lot as, you know, I'm colorblind. I don't see you as any different. But the Lord really began to tear those down and give us eyes to recognize color and culture and give us eyes to see beauty in, in each other and embrace that. And it was just such a beautiful thing and that uh, was a race thing, but it was also a, a, a tradition thing. And this was the first year we had a Catholic charismatic group join us. And uh, <laughs> there was a bunch of people that uh, did not want to go to the Catholic night, and especially those wounded by uh, the real legalism that's within their group. And, um, but there's some there's some genuine people in there, especially in the charismatic movements. And um, I uh, had uh, 
been uh, trying to persuade, especially our charismatic friends, because, you know, so many of us have read the practice of the presence of the Lord by Brother Lawrence. And uh, so I'm like, hey, you guys, we've read these books. We've drawn from their wells. We've drawn from Song of the Bride from Adam Guyon or the works of St. John of the Cross. And like we have a rich history in our own movement of uh, receiving um, from the treasures that the Catholics do have. And um, then I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for the Catholic charismatic movement. So it has a special uh, place in my heart to begin with. Um, but anyway, we went there and a lot of people, they, I think I kind of provoked them to get there. So we had a huge turnout uh, for the Catholic night and uh, we outnumbered the Catholics that were there and uh, really br- uh, blessed Father Will, who's uh, the father over there. And uh, we honestly had a great night and we had an open mic um, prophetic time um, after we did some worship with them. And uh, a lot of my pastor friends got up and shared the same testimony of, you know, I wasn't going to come, but felt like the Holy Spirit was really forcefully having me come tonight. And uh, I honestly wasn't expecting the Holy Spirit to be here, but he kind of snuck up on me. And uh, we had the most testimonies of healing come from that night. And uh, I uh, just delight, again, in the diversity that we had between the races, between uh, the different traditions, as we all just kind of look past that, see the beauty in each other's cultures, and uh, find the substance of Christ. And so it was just, it was such a beautiful time. And uh, that's, (laughs) that's all I got to say. Beautiful. Thank you so much, David. And it's great to hear that testimony, just how it extends over um, the five years that you all have been joining in. Let's hear from uh, Matthew Lilly. Matthew um, uh, is part of the Awaken the Dawn movement and was also at the uh, Greenville, South Carolina tent during 10 days. And among other things, I saw his son getting baptized there, which was cool. So Matthew, go ahead and just share uh, two to four minutes with us. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jonathan, congratulations, man. You guys did it. Praise God. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm so encouraged uh, by by what the Lord did this year during the 10 days. I mean, gosh, in, in the midst of 2020, all the craziness of, covid and all that's going on in our nation that so many people responded and engaged i'm i'm so encouraged and jonathan just want to honor you and your leadership and your team thank you for saying yes and just being faithful i know it's been quite a number of years that you've been just just laboring towards this and i feel like this was a real breakthrough year for you and for the movement in an amazing way and uh yeah so so we are in our families in north carolina but we went down to south carolina for the tent in Greenville, South Carolina, which was uh, which was 10 days in a tent, 24-7 worship and prayer. Mike and Amber Thornton were hosting it, our friends there. And yeah, the highlight for me was that our five-year-old son got baptized in the tent. Uh, Jonathan's got some pictures he might send out with some of the correspondence, I think, with the 10 days. But that was amazing for us. Uh, so I'll just share personally. Uh, about that because it was just it was just kind of amazing because they got it they had a baptismal tank they were planning on doing it um, later towards the end of the 10 days uh, but a fire truck showed up (laughs) uh, because there's a pond right beside the church and they were emptying their tanks into the pond or whatever 
And so they were like, hey, could you come over and fill up the baptismal tank? And this would have been a few days earlier than original. And so they, they ended up filling up the baptismal early, which was the only reason that our son was able to be baptized before we had to leave. And he was the first one to get baptized in the tent. And uh, he got saved last year and just has been wanting to get baptized. And our church doesn't do it until, until kids are seven, but he really wanted to do it. And so it was a beautiful moment. And um, so anyway, that was, that was, that was huge for me, but man, God was moving powerfully in, in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, really marking the, the local church that had the tent up in their, in their property for day and night worship and prayer. This was really brand new for their church culture, uh, what, what, what they were engaging in. Um, they've got a ministry school there, about 40, 50 students. Um, there was one morning that they were all there gathered together under the tent and, and Holy Spirit was just moving powerfully. Um, there was deep travail and weeping and wailing. I mean, just deep repentance. Uh, people gathered up at the front on their knees, just crying. Uh, and this was brand new for many of them. It was just, they weren't copying or learning this from anywhere else. It was just the Holy Spirit was just touching them deeply, drawing them to his heart and, um, and into deep places of intercession and uh and repentance and and you know that travailing prayer it was it was really amazing then there were awesome times of rejoicing youth groups coming together um you know seeing 50 teenagers under the under the tent dancing rejoicing in worship um was just amazing and so yeah the, the greenville tent from from my experience was was phenomenal i mean 24 7 and uh you know other people got baptized my kid got baptized which was awesome um from awaken the dawn's perspective you know we 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 did a hundred day procession of worship and prayer from june till september and the last 10 days of the hundred days just happened to line up with these this 10 days of prayer so if you hadn't heard that story it's just pretty amazing and so so right at the end of we we had awaken the dawn events happening during that 10 days you guys are doing I don't remember how many it ended up being, John, than 150 different places, cities that were gathering in prayer. So it was a real crescendo, I feel like, for some of the things God was doing this year. And now we're entering into the Feast of Tabernacles tonight, a uh, time of celebration and harvest. And, and so it's beautiful. I'm encouraged. Thank you, guys. I just, from my perspective, thank you all for mobilizing prayer in your cities. And, uh, and I believe, you know, best is yet to come. So bless you, Jonathan. Love you, man. Amen. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for sharing um, those testimonies. And it's actually not the first time, like a fire, there's been a miracle with Mike Thornton and a baptismal and a fire engine. So you just, I don't know, that's a pretty specified gift to have. Is that,